0: This is Unfiltered with Bobby and Luke. It is Tuesday, November 24th. I am your co-host and co-creator, Bobby Stutzman. I am your co-host
1: and co-creator, Luke Mohat.
0: Now, Luke, uh, for episode number five, we've got a special guest. Do you want to tell our listeners who we are featuring today? (laughs) Yes, I do. So another proud
1: alum of Seward High School, class of 96. And uh, host of the podcast, I need a mulligan, TK Goldsmith.
2: Hey, fellas, thanks for having me
0: on. I appreciate it, TK. Good morning. And his nickname is the gold standard, so it's TK, the gold standard (laughs) goldsmith. There you go. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's patent that.
1: copyright done yeah copyright <laughs> whatever you want to call it let's yeah. just do that oh excuse me no t- trademark I think that's the appropriate. Yeah, well, there it is. It is. I like yeah, that okay trademark, let's do that. TM stamp <laughs>
0: <laughs> Boom. Now, done. now TK you host your podcast and one of the various topics you love to dis- discuss is sports yeah. and today obviously with COVID on fire across the United States uh, we plan to discuss and kind of do a deep dive and to the effects of the coronavirus across both college and professional sports.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where when you look at it, you kind of have to toe the line, right? I mean, you got to, you know, be safe and and protect people. But then the other, other aspect of things, I think it's really important that we still have Sports to rely on. You, you know, when we talk about right. right now, you know, everybody's like, we have a stay at home order again here in Minnesota. I'm not sure, you know, I'm not 100% up on all the COVID stuff like you guys are, but you know, we have a stay at home order here again in Minnesota. It sounds like a lot of states are going in that same direction. And for us, you know, staying at home, just the, the mental stability, like having sports on TV again is just. Mm-hmm it's been good for my psyche. You know, I I have a sports podcast and yes, if there's no sports I can't do my podcast. But besides that, like just sitting down with the family, watching a Packers game, watching a Huskers game, just having the family together, there's just something about that. Now, on the flip side of that, you, I mean, you obviously have to keep everybody safe. And I think for the most part, you know, teams are are doing that if i want to kind of start at like the college level specifically the inconsistencies right now i think are the most frustrating thing because you got you know the big 12 and the sec where they have their stands like 25 heck even 50 percent full and then you have you know the big 10 that doesn't have any fans at all right and you know it's just one of those things where you know where where can you have some sort of consistency but i think it's good for you know the mental health of of everybody watching that we do have those sports and hopefully everybody stays safe and we can kind of continue that trend but you know as we were talking about before the show started it, it probably won't last very long <laughs> right
0: right now luke in addition to the sports and the covid we'll give everybody a covid update the big news yesterday that we'll touch on a little bit here today is the transition of power.
1: It has started. Yes, the the GSA was finally given the uh, the the tweet they needed, I guess, to uh, move forward. Um, the current president, or occupant of the White House, said that. Uh, They needed to go ahead and get the initial protocols moving while he still argues his case. I don't know what much is left to argue, Um, get into that a little bit, but uh, he is at least uh, allowing uh, what should have began, you know, the day that, uh, you know, uh, two Saturdays ago when it was officially called for Biden, Um, but... You know, that being said, at least it started now, and uh, we can get into it, why that is so important as we've touched on that a bit in previous podcasts.
0: Absolutely. So we'll get after it and we'll be discussing everything on the other side. Let's do it. Some funk for everybody today. I Like that. Nice. <laughs> That's uh. It's called the Blues Bruiser by Nick Ru- Nick Pass. All right. Came across that last night. And I thought it was it was really funky and dirty. And mm-hmm. here we yeah. go. So let's do COVID, it. Hurt. I like it. COVID nineteen, right? So we're doing an update. Uh, this morning, we'll go to yesterday's numbers here real quick, and we had looks like 172,000 new cases, uh, less than 1,000 deaths. Uh, But based on the new case counts, we've got the top five states is California with almost 18,000 new cases, Ohio, almost 12,000. Texas, which has been number one for several weeks, has kind of dropped to third with almost 11,000 new cases, Illinois, which was... Uh, in the top three, uh, the last couple of weeks has dropped to number four with 8,300. And then the state of Kansas rounds out our top five with 7,000 new cases.
2: Minnesota's close behind, though, there.
0: They're yeah. Creeping yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, Minnesota creeping up number seven yesterday with almost sixty four hundred and twenty four and 24 new deaths. So, TK, sports, obviously the psyche. <laughs> some type of normalcy right right uh you know at the beginning of the college football season prior to it starting we had conferences hell or high water we're gonna have the season we had other conferences like the big 10 the pac 12 that said no initially and what do you think changed
2: money (laughs) (laughs) money uh, I think, you know, the big 10 realized that they were, they were, uh, losing out on some money. So they decided to go ahead and, and go with it. And I think some of the big time, you know, uh, big time programs in the big 10 all wanted to have it. So it, it was a no brainer for them to go ahead and, and, and jump on board. Well now go
0: through the, you know the finals the NBA finals seeing the championship knowing oh, yeah. that bubble right that massive Disney bubble right um, you know it took really what they say between the NBA personnel and the Disney uh, Disney personnel it was like 20 30,000 people uh, to make it work millions of dollars yeah and yeah. But at the end of the day the bubble you know, worked. I don't oh, it recall was,
2: it, it any was by NBA player
0: once they were in the bubble that didn't leave for their own personal reasons, whether it's family situations or what I don't recall once a player entered that bubble ever testing
2: positive. Correct. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they didn't. And it was one of the, if you wanted to sit down and write a book and a blueprint of like how to do it, they, they knocked it out of the park by far, by far the best, best, uh, best way to go about it.
1: So, you know, the NBA was able to successfully do this uh, through all the means that were just explained there. But, uh, you know, and we have had relative success with uh, the NCAA football season, the NFL football season. But now we are Starting the NCAA basketball season, which, you know, first thing that comes to mind in my head is it's inside, not outside. Um, You Mm know, basketball is a very close contact sport, obviously. And now, you know, they've already delayed. The season was supposed to start uh, a few weeks back. They've already pushed the start of the season out a bit more. It was supposed to start. Uh, last last week, a few days ago, actually, and it did not. Uh, you have team after team. Number two, Baylor pulling out of its, season, its uh, Mohegan Sun Classic game against Arizona State for COVID. Uh, you've got Duke in Arizona um, canceling their season openers. On the ladies' side, you have uh, UConn, uh, one of the best programs in the nation over there, Uh, saying that it will potentially have to cancel its first four to six games. And uh, you see it even among the coaching ranks. You've got Tennessee's Rick Barnes testing positive for COVID. So here we go. And apparently the NCAA has a bubble-esque plan if we make it to March Madness for uh, Indianapolis, possibly. But uh, there's a lot of games to be played between now and then. So my question, gentlemen,
2: is do we get a march
1: madness this year? I uh
2: I, I Bobby's okay if I go first. I, Absolutely I, sir. I like to just I like to just jump in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Uh, we're yeah. talking sports, I'm excited. Yeah. No, uh I I have a little bit of a theory on this one and you know, you guys could tell me I'm full of shit if you want to and and I'm happy if you would sometimes. Uh but <laughs> the thing about this is that I I you know school started what 3 or 4 months ago so a lot of these basketball players that came into school they they had basketball re- related activities but they're not to the same extent as you did with the football players coming in in the summer cuz when they came in the summer there was no one else on campus right they got isolated right away and then They were able to kind of keep those numbers down in those isolations on campus because there was no one there. Now, these basketball players come in and they can't practice right away because there's stipulations on when they can practice, how many players they can have in practice, so on and so forth. So a lot of these kids, they didn't have the accountability when they first stepped on campus to be at practice and, and have that discipline. And, you know, so college kids, what are college kids going to do when they first get on campus? Where are my friends? Where's the parties where, you know, you know, what, what can we do to, you know, have that social interaction that a lot of us have missed over the last six months or so. So I think that's why we're seeing a little bit of that right now. I think we can get these kids isolated, figure out exactly what, you know, they need to do on a week to week basis to make sure that they stay safe and healthy. But then, you know, by March, hopefully they'll have a lot of that stuff figured out. They'll play enough games to where we can get a good 64 teams into that tournament. And then, you know, we have some fun. I got I got like three TVs now that I can set up in my basement. I'm fucking psyched.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to Luke to answer about March Madness. Yeah. I think if we take it as, you know, kind of a week-to-week process where the the students, right? So in college, there is, I think, less, I would, you know, I would say less control, right? Students are attending, you know, depending on the university right now. Uh, Current situation, there are a lot of universities that are still doing in-person. There's obviously uh, universities doing a hybrid. Then there's Mm -hmm. universities that are just doing all online. Mm -hmm. But so depending on the situation, if the coaches can control the environment, if the athletic director are providing the resources for necessary testing and, you know, universities like Alabama, right? So Alabama Mm -hmm. tests their players every day. Now we've got some universities where, say, a student's popping positive, but they're not testing the other players because there's no symptoms. So right. I think those universities are going to have an issue because even, you know, even when a student's asymptomatic, Correct. they're shedding days before that positive test and they may have infected 12 or 15 other people.
2: So yeah, that's what you talk about I that think, consistency earlier yes. in the podcast. It's got, everybody's got to be consistent. Otherwise it's not going to work. Right.
0: Right. 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 And they've got to take it very seriously. So if you, if, if they have, you know, the universities, the chancellors want to have college sports, no mm-hmm. diff, you know, no different than an NFL team. If they want to do it, you've got to be all in or it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah all in a- with resources, all in with testing, all in with, with you know, the right medical personnel on site. Mm-hmm. Um, you're closing down all the parties and, you know, all this stuff that's going on. And then obviously the headlines have been recently with students going to be traveling. That's the biggest right. scare with the holidays, Thanksgiving man. is students coming back, spreading it. You know, there's a lot of universities that are requiring them to test before they leave, you know, and whatnot. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see how these next few weeks post Thanksgiving, you know, I believe there's going to be a significant spike Based on the analytics and the data from the health professionals. Now, maybe we're not giving the college students enough credit, right? So there's (laughs) a lot of universities that are testing that are actually requiring their students to test before they leave for, you know, for the holiday break. So that may, you know, be a much better situation than we think.
1: Well, I just want to jump in and touch on that one moment, and I am hoping that uh, to bring this back to athletics, the basketball and football and all the athletes are maybe a bit more disciplined than their classmates, because I... uh Not to shout anyone out, so she shall remain nameless, but I have a relative who is a freshman at uh, the University of Kansas this year, and to look at her social media, you know, she's in a sorority and doing all that, Right, uh, not look like the age of COVID to me. That's all I'm going to say, you know, (laughs) so I I remember, I remember being 19 to 23 years old. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And God love them. You know, they're doing TK, just like you said, they're doing what college kids do when they get to college, you know? So, you know, that's why there's got to be consistency amongst these programs where everyone's getting tested and everybody's, you know, Following certain protocols to make sure that we keep it as safe as possible, so we can have a season. Because you know the players want to play, you know, right? There's no doubt in that. Uh, there were a lot of uh, NCAA basketball players last year that I am have no doubt in my mind were just crushed that there was no March Madness last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially my uh, beloved Jayhawks, who looked like they were poised <laughs> to do a pretty damn good job in the tournament. But we won't say anything more about that.
2: <laughs> oh the Jayhawks
1: oh Jayhawks yeah so uh, speaking of the Jayhawks uh interesting uh non-COVID side notes we just had the NFL draft excuse me the M- NBA draft for the first time in NBA lottery uh history the uh, blue blood programs so you, your Duke your Kentucky your North Carolina and the cans in Kansas did not have a single player taken in the lottery, they all came from uh, either you know other programs. I mean, the number one pick was from Georgia, right? Uh, yep. Or they came from you know other you know other 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 places. You know, we got the G League going on now, and there's yep. other opportunities for kids to get that year before they turn 19 of eligibility, so they're not uh, you know going to school anymore. So, are we seeing the drawing down of the age of the one and done.
2: Ooh. You mean, are we, are we going to stay with one and done or, are no, I mean, are we move?
1: are, do we think that we are? Yeah. Is that, do we think the NCAA is going to make a move I, I don't know Ooh, like, is it, because there's just so many other options out there now for, you know, yeah. kid that knows he doesn't want, he's not going to stay at school for all four years. So he's like, hell, I'd rather just go do nothing but work on my game for the next year. You know, right. what does that mean for the, what does that mean
2: for the college game? Cause even yeah, if it of, is
1: for just one year, it's great to see those kids
2: play. Right. Yeah. We want to, we want them to stay. We want them to stay in the NCAA. I mean, right. well, as a fan, I want to see him stay in the NCAA. If if I was a parent, I might tell him to go over to the G League, make a little money, play against you know maybe some some better talent, and mm-hmm. you know get your game to you know the level you want it to be to go to the NBA. But you know, Ed, as a parent, on the other side of that, is you want to have him to get education. But if they're only going to be there a year, what does it you know? what's it going to do? Make sure you go back and get your degree later on. Right. But right. to your point, is, is, there's so many options now when it comes to going to the NCAA, because, you know, you could go like Wiseman. I think he went second overall. He played at Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Penny Hardaway's the coach yeah, there. I mean, that's any, kind of a, you know, a silver lining in terms of, Hey, I want to go. I want to go play for Penny Hardaway. Right. Yeah, at yeah. Memphis. But, you know, there's just so many options for you to go somewhere and be the man. You can Mm -hmm. go somewhere. You can, you don't have any other competition in terms of, you know, other starters on the team that are going to take away your points, going to take away your rebounds, going to make, you can go somewhere and be a star and you can be good and be highlighted on ESPN and, you don't necessarily have to go to duke or kansas or those teams that are on tv all the time because you can go to a memphis and be on tv all the time heck you can go to north dakota state you could get, i mean there's so many different options now with the you know media aspect of things that you can get noticed anywhere you go now but before, right. like we were growing up, and, you know, only CBS or ESPN played the games. And right. the only teams that played on there were all the Blue Bloods. So now right. it's just a different, a different realm of um, getting noticed. Yep.
0: yep. You know, T.K., what do you think about stock status? You know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, if I'm a 18-year-old going into my freshman mm. year yep. or decide just to go to the G League, right, to hone my skills mm. – hone my craft. Do you think like financially, right? Do you think that hurts them? If, you know, as opposed to going to say even a North Dakota state and getting drafted top five, you know, even after your first year, do you think financially going to the G league, making a little money now, but yet playing much better competition Uh, You know, then getting drafted, do you think that kind of impacts their kind of their stock?
2: You know, to be honest with you, I don't think it does. You can go. I mean, you can go to the NCAA or you can go overseas. It doesn't matter. Your game's going to do the talking, right? I mean, if you if you go somewhere and you dominate and you play well and you showcase your ability to be able to be drafted in the, the top five, top 10, then you know, that's, what's going to be most beneficial for you. You just kind of have to sit down and think, okay, you know, my family situation, my situation, what's going to be the best alternative for me? I mean, you see mellow ball. He went, he went overseas, uh, quite a few years. I don't even think he finished high school. I think he went over there when he was like 16 and, you know, he didn't do very well at first, but the last few years that he was over there, you know, he, he played really, really well. And he, you know, started to raise some eyebrows and, you know, he ended up going, I think third or fourth overall to Charlotte Hornets. So, you know, and that's a little bit of a different situation because, you know, the ball family and all that bullshit that goes on, (laughs) Um, you know, there's a little bit of a different, uh, a different aspect to that than, you know, say that one of us had a kid and we wanted them to go pro, but, you know, I would be, I don't think it's going to, to your question, I don't think it would hurt you either way. As long as you went either place, you're 100% committed to honing your craft and you really worked at it and you showed people that you can play, you're going to get picked up. Gotcha, so TK, uh,
1: curveball uh, coming at
2: you. What? Hang on, I don't hear do curveballs. Your thoughts I can't <laughs> I can't hit curveballs, man. Only only <laughs> fastballs, dude. You can't we'll throw take, me no curveball. Well, take a
1: swing. So you 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 brought it up. You brought up the uh the ball family.
0: Oh, and, yeah. Okay. You know,
1: here here in California, we've already passed our law saying that uh, kids can start making money off of their names and likenesses. Ooh. What is the NCAA gonna do? And if you as a Lamelo Ball, or I don't know, an Anthony Edwards. can't No, you can also make some money during that year in college. Does that change?
2: Yes, I would. Yeah. I would go to. I would go to college in a heartbeat. In that. In that aspect of things, just because there's so many small, like take Nebraska for example. I mean, if you decided to go to Nebraska and play football, and you were or basketball even, and you were a really good player, like think about the amount of sponsorships you could get just in the city of Lincoln, like yeah. with all the car dealerships and yeah. so on and so forth. And you could, you could make money really easily. Shit. Even, even the kids on social media, when somebody, mm. when somebody commits to Nebraska, like on Twitter, they go from four or 500 followers to like 10 K in like two weeks because, right. yeah because they automatically, have that following on, on social media. So, you know, that likeness, I mean, and then you can, you can start your education somewhere, get a year in. And then if you decide that you want to leave school early and go play a professional sport, you're still tied into some sort of university, which as a parent, I would be very strongly saying, Hey, make sure you're going back and taking classes.
0: Right. Right. And to answer your question, Luke, I always refer back this question. So I'm a huge advocate for players getting paid at the college level. Mm -hmm. The reason being, if you go back and watch the documentary, so my favorite five college team of all time is the Michigan Fab Five. All
2: right. And you look at. We got to end the conversation. Well, you look at
0: the. Podcast over. (laughs) From a revenue standpoint, prior to the fab 5 basically coming the buzz from coast to coast michigan university was making 3 to 4 million dollars a year offer off the players jerseys just the jerseys mm-hmm. 2 years later after the fab 5 landed in michigan at the university that was in the 20 to 30 million dollar range and none of the players generated a penny off of their likeness. And then you fast forward all these years later and all these, all these sports players that have generated millions for the university and they can't even afford ramen, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Their education's getting paid for. Yeah. They're right. getting, you know, three square meals a day and, you know, you know, the access to unlimited facilities, but the day to day feeding themselves, taking care of themselves, You know, in that documentary about the Fab Five, you know, Jalen Rose said he couldn't even afford to buy himself a winter coat. And in in that same year, you know, Michigan benefited $15 million off their sweat. So I am a a huge proponent. I think eventually we're going to see college athletes uh, getting agents, Uh, college sports in general. Obviously, football is the biggest moneymaker. But as a whole, is a multi-billion-dollar industry that the that the people that are participating, that are making that revenue, generating that revenue for the universities. You know, people talk about college salaries. You know, uh, Nick Saban making eight million a year, and so and so, Jim Harbaugh, who has a hard time winning a game, is, is you know making eight million a year, but. At the end of the day, we need to get to the point where, okay, your education, you got a, you know, you've got education paid for, but then when you start generating a a percentage of the revenue for the players, you get their buy-in, they've, they've earned that for the university. So, you know, the salaries they pay in college sports is a fraction for the most part now we're talking the Blue Bloods, the bigger universities, obviously, and a lot of universities, college football pays for everything. They pay for the tennis, they pay for cross country and track and you know, everything else. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we need to get to a point where the stars, you know, whether you're a star or not, you know, to TK's point. Lincoln, Nebraska, you're on the football team and you're a great salesman and you've got sponsors, you've got whatever restaurants or maybe an auto dealership or Pinnacle Bank or, you know, something Mm -hmm. sponsoring, you know, you to pitch, you know, their brands or their likeness. I mean, players need to get paid.
1: Yep. Yeah. Could not. Could not agree with you more. I think we all held our breaths collectively when uh, Zion Williamson blew out his shoe and oh. uh, turned an ankle, you know, in that uh, game for Duke, like, holy shit, you know, like the injuries are just, uh, uh, you know, the, the the leagues have done a lot to decrease injuries, but yeah, if you you go and you do go, cause you want that college experience for a year, you want to contribute to uh, a team or say you've just always wanted to play for for Kansas <laughs> or duke or whatever or, right. or nebraska wherever it's you know you Kansas just
2: always still? come on man <laughs> 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 you know are you
1: you whatever you know you want it you want that year of experience but then you go and something happens to you and your uh you know your 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 stock plummets. You know, and I I I see that more frequently I think in in football uh, than you you do in basketball. I mean, obviously, last year, you know, we'll talk about Joe Burrow and what happened to him on Sunday, unfortunately. But uh, you saw Tua at Alabama start the year as the heads and shoulder. No way he won't be the number one draft pick, and then boom. You know, not one, but two injuries, one of them season ending. And then, you know, luckily he was able to rehab and still, you know, got a really good, uh, you know, went really high and is doing nicely down at uh, uh, Miami now. But, you know, it's really got to give a kid a moment of pause and to bring this back to COVID. You know, what are your thoughts about players who are opting out of these seasons right now? That to either of you, that's a that's a. I just tossed that one up in the air.
2: Yeah, you just who's gonna who's gonna you know spike it down? Who wants, you know, who you, wants to you jump. set it? You said it. I, who's spiked? I threw it? the grenade. First. Who wants to jump <laughs> yeah. on it? No, I'm not, I'm out, Bobby. No, <laughs> I think
0: you know, I think it's really personal, right? I think a lot of these students, especially at the college level that have opted out of the season and are, you know, training for the combine or whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. I think they had a lot of input from, from family. Um, I think, you know, once you look at the data and some of these student athletes that are now facing long-term effects with lung scarring and, you know, the health, you know, ramifications of COVID uh, you know, I think for their situation, you know, I think it made the most sense to, you know, again, maybe to their stock is, you know, I, I may not be as, as lucky as someone else on the team that was asymptomatic, that had COVID, but yet asymptomatic, you know, if I get it, you know, that's, what's been really crazy about COVID is, you know, like, like, you You know, even like coaches, 70-year-old coach, asymptomatic, showing no signs, is positive, going to quarantine for 10 days, two weeks, and then you've got another, you know, you may have another 70-year-old coach that he finds out on Thursday he's positive for COVID, and by Tuesday he's on a ventilator in the hospital. Right. So I I think they've weighed, you know, the pros and cons of playing the season, you know, kind of where they're at personally – uh, you know, getting feedback from their family, from the coaches. Obviously, I think all the coaches want their players to play, uh but at the end of the day, I I haven't heard of a single coach that have you know kind of called out their players for deciding to kind of skip the season.
2: Yeah. No, and I'll yeah, I'll piggyback off that a little bit. It's for it's for sure like the the nice thing about this whole situation, we talked about consistency at the beginning of the podcast, and maybe we should just call this episode consistency. Cause we've said it a lot. And right. I'm probably at the most fault there. Um, but the one thing that is consistent with NCAA sports in general right now is every single one of the coaches have come out and said, if you want to opt out, you don't want to be a part of the team. If this scares you and you have some sort of underlining condition, maybe your family does, or there's a reason why you don't want to play football this year, that is up to you. And we're 100% on board, whether or not you want to be a part of the team because of COVID and that, that I'm, that I've been really impressed with. The other aspect of that is, like I said, you just don't know what their family situation is. The second aspect, and I think is really interesting, is that a lot of the kids that are opting out aren't necessarily kids that play positions that are going to be drafted really high. Right. You're not seeing quarterbacks. You're not seeing running backs. You're not seeing a lot of wide receivers. You know, there's you're seeing a lot of kids that it's probably not going to hurt their draft stock as much as if you were a quarterback per se. Mm -hmm. I think that in like that aspect of things, I think is really interesting as well. Cause I, I I noticed that when people start opting out, I was like, Oh, here we go. Like who's going to opt out. But a lot of the kids that, are looking for big paydays mm-hmm. in the draft. Those aren't the kids opting out. Right. Gotcha.
1: So then my, my next question uh, goes to uh, team decisions and uh, just to clarify something to everybody out there uh, that sees me all football season posting about the the crimson tide. Uh, I am, uh, you know, I, I am not a bandwagon fan. Uh, my other half, is born and raised in montgomery alabama and uh, so i i'm i married in i'm allowed i'm allowed (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and you know it was really hard you know this year you know you you see you're already getting fewer games and then you know they had a bye week and then after that bye week lsu canceled because they had several covid uh, covid uh, positives and Probably knew they were going to get their asses handed to them this year. Uh, <laughs> Nick, Nick Saban never loses to the same team twice in a row. If you guys. Yeah. Anyway. So this yep. past weekend, we have uh, <laughs> Dabo Sweeney uh, down in uh, down down in Clemson. Uh, also not one to uh, keep his feelings to himself saying that. So Florida State. Sorry, I guess I should give the context. Florida State canceled uh, the game. Uh, Because they discovered that a player on the Clemson team had tested positive uh, and had traveled with the team. Correct. They said because of that, they were canceling it. Dabo Sweeney went straight to the mics saying this game was not canceled because of COVID COVID. Was just an excuse to cancel the game to me, Florida state and their administration has forfeited this game. If they would like to play us, uh, they can either come up to Clemson or they can uh, bring us back down here to Tallahassee, all expenses paid. So, but
0: unfortunately Dabo Sweeney doesn't make those calls.
1: Right, 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 right. (laughs) right. So what, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, if, if, are we in agreement or tell me if i'm completely you know out of my mind here if instead of being 2 and 9 or 2 and 6 florida state was 7 and 1 do they play this game
2: yes Cause it's all about the money. I talked about it earlier. (laughs) I mean, yeah, because you're, you're looking at, you know, are you, are you going to be able to get into the the playoff in the ACC championship game? The more exposure you get later on down the road, the more money your, your program is going to make. Yeah. Now on the flip side of that, I don't, you know, I don't know what their protocol is and you know, who they talk to and who they're, who their, uh, your doctors are and, you know, what their, you know, again, protocol is in terms right. of, okay, this team has X amount of COVID cases. Like what's, what do we do in this scenario?
1: Yeah. So I think we're once again, coming back to our, our episode title.
2: <laughs> yes, <Consistency>. yes, sir.
1: <laughs> because, uh, Davos, made a very good point. That if the standard, if the agreed upon standard was zero positive tests, there would not have been a single game played this year. Right. You know, people have been testing positive, but they catch it, they isolate that person, they test the other players. Um, you know, I can't remember if this was on mic or off or pre-recording or after. Like we were saying, oh, we I think it, anyway, Alabama. You know, like a lot of programs testing their players every day. You know, we all saw Nick Saban get a positive test and then get three negative tests in a row. Uh, <laughs> so either uh, it was a false positive or Nick Saban truly can beat anything and everything. Uh,
2: <laughs> okay, now the podcast is really over. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so so
1: it's just, I, it makes me wonder going into the basketball season, you know, a, a all of the big programs play, you know, the cupcakes and, you know, in in the football season, they got rid of those by going to mostly conference uh, or entirely conference schedules. Um, But in basketball, you still see these, you know, teams that are basically paycheck games, right? The school is going to get a nice amount of money for coming to play, you know, and are those games going to, going to keep happening? Like, I'm just curious without, consistency how like what's going to be the standard with how many games need to be played how many do you what's what's going to get you into that tournament like what is the basketball season going to look like when teams can opt out because they're saying either we or you have too many positive tests like what 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 happens with that, that yeah, again that's
2: with a, that's a grenade a, for anyone yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> a, that's a tough one i i, I I kind of wish that they would just go ahead. I was trying to look it up, to be honest with you, because I thought they had made a decision that they were going to try to just do all conference games, kind of like what the football, the football conferences did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I couldn't, I couldn't find it, but that would be, I think that would be smart. I mean, most of the time they do one at home, one away. They don't, Mm -hmm. the conferences are so big now that they can't do it like they traditionally did back in the day. Mm -hmm. But Now, because the conferences are so big, you could just eliminate, you know, those, those cupcake games or those paycheck games, and then just go ahead and do one home, one away. Then you can seed the, the conference tournaments and then play it just like you normally would, you know, any other, you know, any other season, you know, if you, if you win your conference tournament, you're automatically in, and then you can you know, judge off of, you know, I hate to say it, the eye test, cause that drives me fucking bananas, <laughs> but you know, they, because you yeah. you get, you know, teams in the, you know, the, a lower conference team that's not in the, in a power five conference. How, how can you do an eye test if they haven't played a power five conference, but right. that's a, a different discussion. But I think, I think you could do that successfully and have a really competitive tournament if you just kept it in conference, just like they do with football.
1: Yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on um, you know you had mentioned a 64 team uh, tournament. Yeah, I've heard rumblings of maybe the safer way is to eliminate those first two rounds
2: and get mm-hmm. right to business.
1: But there goes your your Cinderellas,
2: right? There goes you know. Yeah, you'd have to yeah, you'd have to just be power five conferences. Or I guess you you well, or on the flip side, you you know, every single conference gets one team that gets to gets to play. And then, you know, some of the power five schools, you know, the ones that are, you know, kind of lower on the totem pole, so to speak, they're you know, they're gonna automatically be out, which historically, if you probably looked at the numbers, a lot of those lower tiered teams in the power five conferences they get booted one of the first weekends anyway because yeah. they're usually you know it's that 512 matchup where right. they're the fifth seed and the 12th seed is from you know uh, you know one of those you know smaller smaller conferences I don't like to say the conferences I'm kind of weird by that <laughs> but it's a whole <laughs> different story uh, but anyways you know it's one of those things where I think a lot of those teams would end up losing in the first couple rounds anyway. So, you know, if, if they wanted to do that per COVID guidelines so they kept it more safe, I'd be on board with that. I don't, I don't see any problem with that. I know, you know, the lower seed schools that are going to get left out are going to have a grumbling about it. But as a fan's perspective, I don't see any issue.
0: Now, look to your question about... You know, college, you know, I believe, so here's my belief. If we we just take the analytics, this is purely an analytics, thoughts, gut check. I believe college basketball is going to have a harder time staying clean, staying, you know, negative of COVID than we've seen thus far in college football. I think at the end of the day, whether we have a March madness may not depend on records, but availability, right. So, I, you know, you know, I think interesting point. if we look at, you know uh, records aside in February, March, if numbers continue the way they're going, uh, you know, we've got thousands, if not millions of, of college students going back home Mm -hmm. Um, we've got, you know, COVID's on fire everywhere. So with that said, just looking at February, looking at March, there may be a lot of the universities that aren't available Mm -hmm. to travel, to play those conference games. So really at the end of the day, it's, it's going to come down to is who has prepared and protected their players better than the actual record itself. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And you know what? I'd honestly, if that happened, I'd be okay with it. Cause that would make for some interesting matchups. You talk about Cinderellas. Right. <laughs> you talk about some Cinderella. You could have quite a few.
1: Yeah. Who's, who's available. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe I'll,
2: maybe I'll suit back up. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, would take me no tra- hey you know I don't, I don't.
1: <laughs> so uh, as as bobby you just mentioned COVID is surging across the country right now sadly i don't think it's if we see a spike from thanksgiving it's how big the spike Absolutely. will be i yes. think that's just i mean there's just no uh uh, you know, no questioning that. Hey, interesting side note though. I know your, uh, your, your man crush up there in New York, Andrew Cuomo is one of your favorites. He, uh, <laughs> in, he, first of all, the man, <laughs> I mean, he should be nominated for, uh, for some kind of, uh, Emmy for his masterful COVID-19 briefings. Um, right. but, uh, he, uh, Was catching some flack uh, about uh, his, uh, his, his Thanksgiving plans and whatnot. And he is like, canceled, canceled. You know, no, no one's coming to see me. I'm not going to see anybody. Right. You know, this is too serious. I'm going to uh, do as I say. Uh, I'm gonna do as I say, yeah. I'm gonna, yeah, exactly. Versus our governor here, who we on the last podcast talked about, you know, that we keep getting the uh the pictures of him in that fancy restaurant up in Napa, not wearing a mask and in a crowded indoor room and this and that. And now here we are, two days before Thanksgiving, and Los Angeles County is once again shutting down all dining, all in-person dining. Uh, Now, just to be clear, we never uh, in L.A. County, uh, we never restored indoor dining. There may have been like a week or two where it was back, but then it quickly went away. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, the restaurants have had a long runway to prepare for what we call the winter here in L.A., I think it's like 60 degrees right now, Um, (laughs) uh, by, you know, building these outdoor like tents and whatnot, uh, coverings where the the sides are all open, but you're covered and then putting in heat lamps and spending a a considerable amount of, of, of capital to make sure that they could at least keep outdoor dining going. I think I've mentioned on previous paths here in West Hollywood and other areas throughout L.A., uh, the, the, like they did in New York, they've, they've taken parts of the street and uh, partitioned it off so there could be more seating outside and keep that seating at a safe distance. I've not right. been out a lot. Uh, but I won't lie, I've been to a restaurant a couple of times since uh, the outdoor dining has been back. And I've always felt very safe because you're very far away from the closest table next to you. And the waiters are all masked up and everything. And they're, you know, they're safe. Uh, the people, yes, the people back in the kitchen are also wearing masks and whatnot. So your food is safe. And I felt very safe. And so. I, you know, look, first and foremost, I support any and all measures we need to take to keep people alive until we get to the vaccine. But I think especially in the light of the fact that Black Friday is this uh, this Friday, yep. and all the big box stores are still allowed to have in-person shopping Ugh. for Black Friday, but yet the restaurants have to close. Mm-hmm. And I, I just can't make... Heads or tails of it. And it just seems to me like a very arbitrary decision that is, yes, there's no denying cases are spiking throughout California, cases are spiking in LA. But what one of the major concerns is, is now instead of meeting outdoors, you know, with, you know, people that you want to see, whether it be on Thanksgiving or this weekend or whatever the case may be, a lot of those people are going to say, fine. You won't let us go to restaurants outside. We'll just have that gathering inside at our, at my place, at my home. And that creates an even more dangerous uh, scenario. So I'm just curious because I did not get the reaction on Facebook that I thought I was going to get. And it occurred to me that I I don't want to come off that I don't support any and all measures to, you know, keep, you know, keep, keep the death count as low as possible before we get to the vaccine. But it just seems like this is... I don't know, an overstep, a misstep. I I don't know. I'm just curious what your thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, I would agree. So, I worked in big box retail for 21 years. I was the one running those big stores, doing 130 million a year. Uh, My favorite time of the year, obviously, you know, you had your other holidays, 4th of July, and, you know, stuff like that. But my favorite part of the year was always the fourth quarter. You're prepping, you're planning. You're, you're gearing up, getting ready. You're, you know, maybe during the year prior to the fourth quarter, you had 350 employees, 400 employees, and in a big uh, super center for the holidays, you're ramping up to 700 employees. You got all these new faces, you got training going on, you're ready to rock and roll. Black Friday, has 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 always been a a mixed bag where you know we always knew ahead of time and some people don't know this but on the front page of say of say Walmart's black friday yeah there's a lap you know a laptop for a very very hot price and the store may have 5 of them and you line up, there's 60, 70 people in a line for five laptops. And yeah. what we did in my store was I always, we always told them ahead of time, hey, we've got five. So the first five, here's, here's, your, here's your number. Yep. And when we're, you know, when it's go time, you guys have first dibs. Now we've had opportunities where, you know, say it's, say it's 25 laptops. And so the first 25 people. But people didn't have whether their credit cards weren't working. So we always had people stand in line just in case something didn't happen. But for the most part, it's it's chaotic. Uh, we've all read the headlines, you know, recently, you know, fights breaking out in various parts of the United States mm-hmm. at these big box stores. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really surprised, you know, as as easy as it is to basically turn on and make the Black Friday products. Just available online. Yep. I am actually shocked that the executives at a lot of these brands are are shipping physical products to the stores to basically mm-hmm. pallet drop and 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 designated locations. So prior to you know Black Friday happening, you get a map and you're told where each item is supposed to be dropped. Mm -hmm. Well, during a pandemic that makes absolutely no fucking sense, right? Right. They could have products available online. It would be much easier to manage first come first serve. Here's what it is. And so, you know, and it's just not, you know, the Walmart. So I mean, best buys are going to have products Mm -hmm. dropped in their stores and, you know, targets, you know, and everything Mm -hmm. else. So from a, from a pandemic perspective, it doesn't make any sense, especially, right? Uh, we heard it last week when uh, Mayor de Blasio decided to close the schools before he closed the restaurants. Yeah. So it's kind of the opposite effect in New York versus, you know, L.A. County. And so the parents were saying, well, do, does my kid need to go to the bar down the street in All order right. to to do their homework because we don't have Internet at our house? And you know, so you know, I think this whole thing is going to be a big mistake. I think, like the holiday season itself, we're going to see spikes in cases, uh, resulting from you know those poor decisions.
1: Yeah, and uh, just on uh, gosh, the the, the you know, the hot items this year, I am not a gamer at all, so I'm going to slaughter this. But there's a new what a new Xbox and a new. PS5, PS5 are yes. coming, yes. right? Or whatnot, uh-huh. or it's already out. And they're on Good Morning America, telling you where they're physically going to be at. And you and they're interviewing people that are already getting online to camp out from now until you know that becomes available on Black Friday. Like, what, what the hell are we doing? You know, well, in the there's of this there's
0: manufacturing shortages, right? So gaming mm-hmm. consoles, uh, Graphics cards from various GPU providers, CPUs. There's been this, like this year has been a massive, you know, inventory shortage because a lot of it's manufactured overseas. Obviously, the Xboxes and the the PlayStations are manufactured overseas. Well, with lockdowns over in Asia, that's really hampered and preventing the, the manufacture of these devices. Right. So, um, but what they are doing, Luke, to kind of help curb the in-person purchasing is they've got these, basically, these SaaS models, software as a service, or we could call it a device as a service, where you can go to like GameStop, uh, Microsoft, Target, Walmart, and say, hey, you want a PS5? And instead of paying five or six hundred dollars up front for the for that, another sixty, eighty dollars for a controller, they basically turn it you know into kind of like your cell phone monthly bill where mm. it's like $35 a month for two years. And they basically, once you're signed up, you're financed for whatever the end cost is, and the devices are actually just shipped to your house. Yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I, I, I just think that, you know, if, if anything, we, we if we've learned anything from this whole COVID experience is that pretty much, there's pretty much anything and everything that you have to go in person to buy, you can now uh, buy online and have delivered to your house. So I think, you know, you just, you know, use your head and that starts with you know, corporate leadership. Like you were saying, the executives of these, of these companies, um, you know, setting the tone that yeah, you can get that you know gaming counselor, you can get that you know hot product, whatever it is, mm-hmm. uh, but you can get it online. Right. And you know, there's other there's other ways than you know packing into the stores because hey, here in you know again here in LA, we've never really fully relaxed restrictions other than uh, allowing outdoor dining. Uh, again, I can't say this enough. We our kids never went back to in-person learning; they've been online the entire year. Um, and these big box retailers, you know, even on a busy Sunday, sometimes you have to stand in line to get in because they have strict, uh, you know st- uh, strict quotas on what percentage of their capacity that they can have uh, in the store mm-hmm. but the problem is is that people gather you know they do not do a good job socially distancing when they're in line you know the longer you're in line the closer the the closer the gap closes and it becomes these large outdoor gatherings and that's just on a run of the mill sunday in october when you got to run and get some household goods now yeah. we're talking about the super bowl of shopping mm-hmm. where they're, you know, outlets are are doing all their advertising and doing all of their media to to get people into the stores, and it's just a real, well, it's a real head scratcher.
0: <laughs> well, and I don't actually understand how they're going to play this out, right? So, if you take the SaaS model or or e-commerce, and you're ordering your merchandise, say from Target.com, right? Well, that merchandise typically doesn't come from the stores; it comes from a distribution center. And then it gets shipped. Well, all these products come in. I'm going to bet that the Black Friday merchandise started coming in two weeks ago to these stores. So, you know, Target, Walmart. And, you know, Walmart having ran big box stores for Walmart, the the merchandise comes in in all black wrap. You've got to cut the wrap. You've got to repalletize, you know, the merchandise. It's usually mixed. You'll have laptops with TVs with, you know, who knows what. And so they've known ahead of time what merchandise they have. And so it's not like where you can just order, say, say uh, Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart decides, hey, there's so much pressure on us. We're just going to all the Black Friday merchandise that's in the ad is just going to be available online the problem is the merchandise is already shipped it's already been right. delivered it's right. already ready to rock and roll in the morning of you've got dedicated employees already going to be dropping it at whatever time they open they're standing mm-hmm. there with a the box cutter and you know getting those those trucks to then take all that merchandise back to the dc yeah. is yeah. is just a a resource Consumption that is not going to happen, and you know, I wish they would have really thought this through. Uh, they could have easily had everything online and really start selling it this week, right? So we've mm-hmm. had a lot of retailers. Hey, we've got Black Friday ads, and some of them even started two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the really good stuff that people have seen in the ads isn't happening, on, you know, until Friday. So, um, depending on how this goes, um, I think it's, you know, potentially going to be, you know, a big mistake. I don't know how, um, cause once they open up those doors, yeah, it's very hard to control the crowd. So right. Right. even in the States, like here, you know, restrictions, we just went red or we're going red Friday and it's going to be a very small percentage of their overall capacity, Right. Well, so Black Friday, we're going to the highest level here in Colorado mm-hmm. for the most restriction other than lockdown orders. And you're going to say you're only going to allow, you know, basically a handful of people in at a time. I don't think so. Right.
1: Yeah. There's we've all seen the images of the throngs of shoppers. Um, you know, it, it's hard enough. Again, you know, I've seen the lines here in California on just regular days and it's hard enough to keep people at bay in that situation. Now you add on the intensity of wanting to get whatever that item is. Um, so we'll, we right. shall see, we shall right. see. But, uh, I could not let this episode go by while we have, uh, TK, uh, the, uh, the gold standard, is that what we TM'd earlier? Yep, gold standard, yep. baby. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't let it go by without uh, <laughs> asking you about, um, you know, look, I, I, as I mentioned earlier, am a big Crimson Tide fan. And the only thing that makes me feel okay about them losing um, is when, uh, you know, a team or a person with that team is somebody that just everybody is rooting for. And I think last year it's pretty, uh, you know, universally agreed upon that Joe Burrow is that kind of player. He's that kind of, uh, you know, once in a generation kind of player that everybody, you know, he's a great guy, he's a great kid, he's a great leader, and he's got unbelievable talent. And he's the kind of, um, you know, he's the kind of talent uh, that could transform a team. And sadly, uh, on Sunday, we saw him go down with a shredded knee. Uh, He will be gone for the rest of the season, possibly a couple of games next next season. And this comes on the heels of basically a 10 year campaign by uh, the NFL to put more restrictions in place to protect these marquee players. Uh, because the NFL wants, uh, you know, more competitiveness and more scoring, let's be honest. So, you know, how does a kid like Joe Burrow, number one, you know, Heisman winner last year, national championship winner, number one overall draft pick, and he's out, you know, it doesn't just hurt Cincinnati. It hurts the league. You know, how, how does something like this happen in, in this, this new age of safer football?
2: Luke, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I mean it really it really is, because you know, there's there's so many different aspects to that question. Yeah. One is you know, Joe, like you said at the beginning, Joe Burrow is the type of talent where as a rookie he's coming in and there's some games where he was throwing 40 50 i think shit even 60 passes a game which is unheard of for a rookie but they know what type of talent he is and they want to get him the reps yeah on the other side of that Cincinnati Bengals is not a very good football team. And a lot of the time when these rookies come into the league, you know, they have an offensive line that's probably not that good. So when you have an offensive line that's not that good, he's going to get sacked a lot. He's going to have a lot of pressure. And when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, when they have to check at the line of scrimmage and figure out and, and kind of, you, They have to know what the blitzes are coming, what packages they're looking at, and they just don't have the time and the experience to process those types of things in the NFL when it runs way quicker than it does in the NCAA you know, mm-hmm. football games. So, you know, all those variables, you put them all together, you know, things like this are, are going to happen. And it's unfortunate. It's football and people are going to get hurt. But to your point, I think the thing that's the most frustrating is that the NFL tries to implement these rules. And, you know, they can implement rules all they want, it seems like, because we constantly are getting people hurt. And it seems, and it's to me, uh, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like even though they're implementing all these rules it seems like more guys are getting hurt and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's the COVID area and they didn't have, you know, the amount of time to to prep for the season. You know, there's little knickknacky injuries here and there, but it just seems to me that, you know, oh, you can't hit them in the head. You can't, you can't rough the passer. Mm-hmm. You don't want to give them a concussion. So, okay, go for their leg. I mean, there's just so many variables here that it's just hard to, it's hard. It's a it's a tough question. Yeah. Well, you look at the hit, and it's just a weird. It's a
1: weird angle. And there's there's never going to be, you know, it wasn't an exceptionally brutal kind of hit. You know, I I I know it's jumping from right. the NFL to the NCAA, but uh, you know, I think about Tua's season ender in the ending injury last year, and it was did not look like anything he would not, you know, hop right back up from and and carry on with. So this one, this one looked funny. Like his leg was at an awkward position. It got pinned underneath uh, Mm -hmm. a very large lineman. And, um, you know, it it is still football. It is still a, it is still a tough game.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the tough part. I mean, you can try to do everything the right way. And you know you're you're gonna have freak accidents. the The cool thing about this, and we talked about it before the podcast, and you alluded to it when when you were talking about Joe Burrow here starting this segment, is he, he's just a good dude. Like he he's one of those guys that you know he was he was highly recruited out of high school um he ended up going to i think Ohio State first he wasn't going to get to play so then he he moved on to LSU but he continued mm-hmm. to work he continued to work hard he has mm-hmm. the right mindset everybody that he's come in contact with absolutely loves the kid because he's such mm-hmm. a hard worker and you could tell that when you know he went down all the all the people on both teams came over and you know we were, were giving him high fives and hugs and saying hey you know Hope, hope for a speedy recovery, everybody on social media, the same thing. I mean, he's just, you know, I think it hurt. This one hurts more than most because he is such a, a liked kid and mm-hmm. the upside for him in the NFL is, you know, through the roof. So I think that's why this one hurts maybe a little bit more than, than most would.
0: Right. And, you know, we all saw from the hit, I mean, it wasn't malicious. I mean, it was, you know, like Luke said, one guy was kind of low. The other guy was high. They kind of hit him different sides. And, you know, but you could tell that the two gentlemen, once they realized that he was down and why he was down, they, they felt absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's not, you know, we're not sitting here debating. Was it malicious? I mean, obviously yeah. it wasn't. But, you know, Joe Burrow's popularity, I think his character, um, you know, really, you know made everybody feel horrible you know when this happened you know if it happened to another quarterback that didn't have you know the joe burrow esque stock you know I'd, i don't think it would have gotten as much attention as this obviously have uh or has for you know for the league itself yeah well you just want to you know you want to try and preserve
1: you know the the these guys you want them to be able you know you want you know the obviously I'm going to drop Patrick Mahomes in here and, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, Kyler Murray Deshaun Watson, you know, the, the you know, you just want them to be in the league for as long as possible, you know? Yeah. And I have no doubt that Joe Burrow is going to come back from this. He's going to work his ass off to get back from this and he'll come back healthy and he'll still have a career, but you just talk about, you know, you just think about the length of that career and then is it another luck who has is ends up retiring at 29 or is it, you know, one of the one of the, the the they call them the golden warriors the guys that stay in yeah. you know are still quarterbacking into their 40s you know and when that kind of talent you you hope to see that but also like you just were talking about the speed of the league and whatnot like is it just a young man's game now
2: yeah and and, and one last one last thing if you if you really look at the play too, I mean, here's, here's the other thing I I kind of alluded to it earlier, you know, football's football, and sometimes things are going to happen that you just, you can't avoid. And like Bobby said, it wasn't malicious. I mean, if you look at the play, you know, the, I think it was the left guard or the left tackle had, you know, the, the defensive lineman blocked and he was blocking him, you know, kind of towards the inside. And it looked like the defender, the defensive lineman kind of lost his footing a little bit. And, and it almost looked like the offensive lineman blocked him into Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. So it was like one right. of those, yeah. it was just like one of those like freak accidents that unfortunately in football, you just, you can't get away from. Right. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. There's just those bang, bang plays that happen so fast. And then before you yeah. know it, you know,
2: there, yeah. there, there it is. You just feel so. like you said, you feel, you feel for a guy like Joe Burrow, but Luke, you're right, man. He'll, he'll, he's got the work ethic. He'll come back and he'll be, he'll be just as good as he was. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Now TK Joe Burrow before he left Ohio state or when he left Ohio state. Yeah. Really, really,
2: really, really. Wanted to play at Nebraska. So what happened? Yeah. Well, uh, according to Scott Frost, um, per per Scott Frost quote, he said <laughs> that we were good at quarterback. <laughs> and, that's, and that's he's like, we got, we got, we got, we got the, we got the quarterbacks that we want at our program. That's per Squ- Scott Frost. I can't make that up. Right. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, so that's, well, that's what. So well, that's what happened, Bobby. Thanks for now that I up. think
0: we'll'll we'll, we'll dig into the huskers season obviously the what has been kind of stated amongst the Nebraska is the father son relationship between Scott and and Adrian Martinez obviously two games ago that was an extremely hard decision for Scott to make to bench Martinez over McCaffrey and start McCaffrey mm-hmm. uh you know that game he played well. Last week, he, I I believe he, you know, he played like a, a true red shirt freshman.
2: Yep. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was a train wreck this past weekend for sure. I mean, it was one of those things where you looked at it on paper and, you know, we were supposed to win the football game. We were supposed to win the football game pretty handily. And, yep. you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I don't know if, The media and you know the fans just finally got to Coach Frost and he decided, you know what, I'm going to make the switch because he kind of heard the rumblings of everybody that wanted to see Luke play more because he's such a gifted and athletic kid that you know he can do a lot of things with running the football. He just right now he cannot throw the football at all. I mean, he his fundamentals are good, I mean, he has a good he has a good stroke, but when he spins the football, like if you watch some of the slow motion plays, he doesn't throw a tight spiral and right. he, he has a hard time throwing the ball down the field. So in in that aspect of things, he he has a lot to learn. Now with the pedigree of, of the McCaffrey family, I mean, the kid can flat out run. I mean, he's quick, he's athletic. He can make, he can make plays, you know, outside of the pocket, but. Right now, what this team is missing is that downfield throw. Now, I, I mentioned it on the the last podcast, Adrian Martinez, he used to be able to make that throw. And I don't know if it was with the injuries and, and the different things that, that he's gone, that's happened to him throughout the cor- course of his career with Nebraska. He just doesn't seem to have the same zing on the ball as he did when he was a freshman he did have a little bit of a shoulder injury he had a you know a leg injury as well I don't know if that has something to do with it Mm -hmm. you know that's one of those things where you know you're not behind the scenes you don't know exactly what's going on but you know there's just something there and then you know to your point we have a lot of youth on that football team you know I don't know you know what the numbers are in terms of freshman and sophomore that we're playing compared to some of the other schools in the Big Ten but you know, when you have that youth on your team, there's going to be some inconsistencies and, right. and that's kind of, that's kind of what we're seeing right now. And, and, you know, it, it's unfortunate and it wasn't, you know, I, I was just as mad as everybody else. <laughs> after that game, uh, Like I said, in a Facebook post or a Twitter tweet that I, you know, I, I was yelling at the TV and my wife was like, dude, you know, they can't hear you. <laughs> like, yes, I know. <laughs> I think we've all,
1: I think we've all heard that a time or two. Uh, So, you know, next, you know, quick question, maybe not so quick, but, you know, the thing about Nebraska football that I remember the most from back in the 90s was just the heart that these kids played with. And just every game, time after time, just you could just tell that they were, you know, giving it everything they got and they took great pride uh, in their you know in their performance bobby you talked about it uh those uh Ballyhood teams of the 90s on our last podcast absolutely uh, scott scott frost himself will look you dead in the eye at a at a press conference say we have plenty of talent you know we there's not it's not a talent shortage on this team and yeah TK right freshmen sophomores what's the makeup of the other teams you know but you know what's going on with the the overall just feeling of this team you know are they is their heart in it do, do they want to get out there and win for for big red or you know wh- wh- how do you judge that
0: well look i've really noticed our 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 first what three games is our corners are not on the wide receivers mm-hmm. um that you know on the defense i went into this season expecting and and the praise And all the articles from the Journal Star and everything going into this season, obviously COVID, um, you know, mixed things up and shook things up. But I was expecting the defense to really step up. And then you see the corners that are back 8, 10, sometimes 12 yards off the wide receiver. I mean, that's just giving them a first down opportunity every play. And and then when you see, you know, these chunk plays that have really hurt the defense, you know, in years past, it was other players going over to them and chewing their ass, holding them accountable. And now they just walk off like, oh, well,
2: yeah, (laughs) yeah. I back to your. Well, same question, but uh, a little bit of a different different spin on it. I, Luke, I, I would say about thirty percent of the kids on that team are one hundred percent invested in the program. Got it. Thirty percent, and you know where the thirty percent are coming from? They're all from Nebraska,
1: right? <laughs>
2: you'll you'll look at you'll look yeah. at you, you. There's several social media posts out there that are showing players on the sideline that are all fired up trying to get trying to get other players involved and motivated and guess where they're from nebraska yeah. nebraska your heinrichs your snod grasses you know the, the kids that that are from nebraska and they have 100 of their heart and soul in it now right. i'm not saying that there's other kids on the team that aren't 100 invested because there are mm. but you can see that it's not exactly what coach frost is going to expect from his players week in and week out when it comes to being 100 percent committed to winning football games right and and then you know to bobby's point you know a lot of that scheme just stuff that you know we don't you know as fans sometimes it's hard to understand you know i don't know if it's the the coaches they don't they don't trust the fact that the players can get up and bump and run and they're not athletic. They're not as athletic as maybe the, you know, the wide receivers are because if they get up and bump and run, you know, they're tougher, quicker, they can get past them. And then they, you know, they can, you know, get those, those first downs as well. If, if they play off like that, they can have, you know, safety and linebackers help going into, in into zone coverage. I mean, there's all, there's all sorts of different stuff that, it's kind of tough to sit here and say, you know, that's, that's the issue or the problem. Um, I think it's more kind of back to Luke's question that, you know, I don't think that all the kids are 100% invested and right. you're not going to have a successful football program unless, I mean, you have to at least have 80, 90% of the kids invested in into right. winning programs week in and week out. Right.
1: As you mentioned on on your uh, latest pod. uh, Hey, thanks for
2: listening, brother. (laughs) Of course,
1: course. Uh, you know, it's not just during the games. It's the way they practice. It's the way they approach, you know, life on the team from from day to day. And you made a really good point that you could tell that maybe they, you know, they they felt a little, you know, puffed up after beating Penn State. Uh, I shouldn't have, uh, that was, had some ugly <laughs> moments, <laughs> right? um, right. you know, and so maybe they weren't, they were thinking, ah, oh, this, this team's not, you know, we're going to run all over them. And, uh, you know, what do you do as a coaching staff to, to, you know, push, you know, I, I, I think of the, like, you know, pull the, pull the string on the back of the kid to get him, get him pumped up and going <laughs> yeah. again. Like, what do you do?
2: What do you do? Yeah. And that's the you know, and that's the part where, and, and something else I mentioned on the show, and, and you know, I I love I love Coach Frost to death. Everything that he says on the podium, you, you just you know that he's invested in this football team, and he wants yeah. this team to be just as good as as the fans do. Yeah. The issue here is that at some point, at some point, you have to hold these kids accountable. You have to be disciplined. You have to you know, kind of go back to those old school ways that maybe, you know, coach Frost didn't like very much when, when it came to, um, you know, the way that he was coached back in the day. Cause at at some point, at some point it just has to be, okay, you didn't get this done in practice. What are we going to do in order to get the motivation up? If you're not motivating the right way, then let's do lines. Let's do up downs. Let's do whatever, whatever needs to be done to discipline these kids and get them motivated to get back on track needs to be done. It just seems like, I mean, we see the social media aspect of things. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier. We don't know exactly what goes on behind the scenes, but on social media, it's all fun and games. They're doing all these cool like questions and answer sessions. And the social media thing is just, it looks like all they're doing is all this fun stuff. Right. Like they do a joking around Friday afternoon deal like after practice. Well, you know what? Maybe that shit needs to stop. And maybe we need to focus more on our schemes and the types of things that we're gonna do on Saturdays in order to win a football game. Right. Because again, we're we're young and we're inconsistent. So if, if we're young and we're inconsistent, we don't know the schemes very well. We haven't had the prep time. So instead of doing all these fun things, like let's let's really hone in on what we need to do on Saturdays with scheme and everything else. So, so when it comes to the situations where we need you in the game, you can execute it the way that we're asking you to execute. And it just doesn't seem like we're getting that right now. It, at least at least week in and week out. We see glimpses of it, but we don't right. see it every single week. Well, hey, it brings us back to our, our, our pod, uh, our title for today.
1: Right? <laughs> Consistency, yes, baby. There it is, yeah. baby. <laughs> I like it. I'm going to get a bell every time we say consistency going forward. And we'll go
2: <laughs> Maybe I'll just take a shot of this uh, monkey shoulder. We'll, there oh, there you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> then we'll really be in, in for a treat. <laughs> very good.
1: <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you very much for this uh, great conversation, wide ranging as always, conversation. I would like to thank our sponsor, the Stutzman Group, as always. Absolutely, and of course. Our 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 guest, the Gold Standard himself, TK Goldsmith. And hey, check <laughs> out "I Need a Mulligan" if you have not already. It's a it's a delight. Uh, TK uh, hits the monkey shoulder even harder.
2: <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, after a full day of drinking, watching football, it was probably not. Uh, the best of ideas, but I had a good time. <laughs> I, I I did as well. <laughs> good, I'm good. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks, fellas, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Your uh, your show is awesome. Uh, I've listened to the first, you know, four or five episodes, and and you know, definitely definitely enjoying your guys's talk and and you know everything that that you have going on. I'm not I'm not a huge political guy. Uh, you know, I. I'm obviously I'm following the COVID stuff, but even, even with that being said, I, I enjoy listening to you guys. It's, it's a, it's a fun listen and, and everybody should definitely keep checking it out. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah,
0: so. And we'll work on, uh, you know, jumping on your podcast in you know, the coming weeks and, you know, discussing, you well, know, Luke can, you can't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, discussing, joking, your, you know, the COVID in the sports and, you know, where are we yeah. at, you know, at that time will be interesting to see where we're at with cases for sure. And, you know, discuss what teams have canceled, why they've canceled or postponed. Because yep. TK, I believe, if, you know, eventually we're going to get into the situation where there's going to be too many games that have been postponed and that's going to start, uh, you know, hurting people's capital when, you know, when it comes to the playoffs.
2: For sure. And then uh, it'd be a fun one to have you guys on the show, like come March madness, see what all that, what goes on with that as well. So we will have to do it a couple oh, different absolutely. times.
0: Absolutely. Again, we appreciate awesome. it. This is the unfiltered, uh, unfiltered podcast with uh, Luke Mohat and Bobby Stutzman. Guest today was the gold standard TK Goldsmith. And again, check out his podcast. I need a mulligan.
1: Stay safe, everybody.